0: 30 years ago, George Gilder wrote Life After Television, predicting the effect of the internet on the media, society, and the economy. Gilder, formerly an economist and speechwriter for Republican politicians, became as interested in technology as in economics. 10 books later, he's written Life After Google, heralding what he sees as the next tech revolution around Bitcoin and blockchain. Speaking at CoinGeek's London conference, Gilda shared a platform with Craig Wright and explained how he expects Bitcoin to solve problems created by the internet and the international money markets. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller.
1: George, thank you very much for doing the CoinGeek Conversations podcast. Well, I'm delighted to be here. It's been uh, just a... Uh magical mystery tour or whatever through CoinGeek 2020. Exactly,
0: so for people who are watching this later, we are on the final day of the CoinGeek London conference. And you've just given a very well-received speech, followed by an interesting discussion with Craig Wright on stage. I'd like to to start by going back to 1990 for the first edition of your book, Life After Television, Mm -hmm. which ahead of the internet boom, you predicted many of the changes that it was going to bring. Mm -hmm. How similar and how reminiscent of that period do you find this period in uh, discussions of Bitcoin and its potential?
1: I I think it's a similar period. It's a similar transformative technology. But I think uh, that uh, the blockchain is more transformative than the internet by itself. That uh, the blockchain uh, addresses both the catastrophe of failed internet security, the porous pyramid of the internet where all the data and money rises to the top where it gets hacked, Uh, and uh, sowing paranoia around the world where we're afraid even to have foreign routers in our, uh, as if they were weapons of mass destruction or something, or Trojan horses. when they're full of Western chips and Western architectures and Western software. It's, it's just uh, this paranoia is, is a technical problem. It's the result of the collapse of Internet security. The blockchain is the solution to a new architecture that uh, establishes a fixed and a resilient ground state for our networks again. And the other uh, great crisis is Ponzi money, uh, the $6.7 trillion of currency trading every day that doesn't even stop trade wars and monetary uh, conflicts and claims. And it's, it's a, a scandal of money, as I wrote in a previous book. And uh, these are the two great problems of the world economy. And both of them are brilliantly addressed uh, by uh, blockchain technology and and Bitcoin technology. Can I just ask you one thing about your your critique of foreign
0: exchange? Yeah. Why is that such a big problem? It's not on most people's lists of the,
1: the great problems well, we face. Well, imagine that uh, this is... The $6.7 trillion of, of currency trading it represents an increase of 30% in three years. It uh, doesn't stop trade wars. It doesn't stop monetary conflicts. It yields incredible profits for hedge funds and, and, uh, and 11 big banks it represents a hypertrophy of finance with without real utility and to have all this energy and and uh, technology lavished on a system that uh, is a broken paradigm measured by the more money you spend on it the worse the results this is a a fundamental problem of the world economy. Why It's why we have trade wars. Funnily enough,
0: for most people who haven't taken an interest in Bitcoin, probably the one thing they might have heard about it is the speculative, spectacular increases in, in prices. Yeah. And so telling them that Bitcoin is going to solve the problem of yeah. people speculating on money is going to be a surprise to
1: them. Yeah, well, uh, I think uh, that the original Bitcoin had a flaw. In my book, Life After Google, the last chapter is the Bitcoin flaw, and the Bitcoin flaw is that it targeted the supply of money rather than the value of money. Right, so just, just explain you, that. Well, uh, there, this was the great error of monetarism, that uh, Milton Friedman inflicted on the world and persuaded uh, Nixon to leave the gold standard in response and and it's believing that uh, money is a commodity that uh, should adjust to change by changing its price rather than money being a measuring stick that is pegged to uh, p- permanent value like uh, and uh, throughout history the permanent value to which money has been pegged is a particular amount of troy ounces of gold and uh, that relationship between the pound and gold and the dollar and gold rendered uh, money global, so money everywhere was translatable into uh, gold at a particular price. And I think that uh, that the next challenge for Bitcoin is to uh, figure out how to fix it digitally to a particular price rather than a particular supply of 21 million units uh, uh, by uh, some date 140 years from now. But- people's lives
0: and standard of living have gone up incredibly spectacularly since currencies were not pegged to the gold standard
1: yeah. doesn't isn't that a counter argument uh, the impact of human creativity and new technology i believe has been vast and uh, vastly underestimated throughout the history of of our economy. Uh, William Nordhaus, the Yale Nobel Laureate, uh, measured the real drop in the price of lighting all through the industrial age and all through all human history, as a matter of fact. And he showed that lighting, the cost of lighting measured in the hours of labor that, a particular, that a, you had to expend to gain the money to buy it dropped millions of times more rapidly than economists measured and does. Uh, so we had this transformation of human life where it really it, uh, allowing us to conquer darkness, uh, to, to uh, live in the night. For the first time in human history, really, and uh as candles gave way to whale oil, which gave way to kerosene which that gave way to incandescent light bulbs to fluorescence to you know the whole the whole saga of lighting just wasn't measured by economists it's like it right. never right. happened and uh and so. We've always vastly underestimated technological progress. Abundance has been expanding throughout h- human history since capitalism uh, unfolded and unleashed human creativity on the frontiers of new technology. Uh, there's been a constant transformation.
0: But y- you, you also s- put this in terms of the value of information, don't yeah, you, and that
1: yeah. knowledge is- yeah. Wealth really- is knowledge. Yes.
0: When you look at what you expect to happen with Bitcoin, what impact does it have on nation-states and governments? What is its political hue, this revolution?
1: Well, it overcomes this 50-year delusion that money is a function of sovereignty rather than an objective reality. Uh, th- that money is a tool of central banks rather than a measuring stick for value. So that devalues the role of governments, I guess. Does it? Well, it 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 unleashes the world economy. Uh, the, uh, the capitalism is not chiefly an incentive system where. Uh, People respond to carrots and sticks, rewards and punishments, and, and uh, Mark Zuckerberg gets lured into the office every day by being paid millions of dollars uh, a week, or whatever it is. Uh, the, that's a completely false model of capitalism. What
0: does make Mark Zuckerberg tick? Uh, it's, then, you think?
1: it's information. Under capitalism, money doesn't go to the people who spend it best, or but to the people who expand it best. And uh, because Mark Zuckerberg has knowledge, um, uh, and is expanding his company, he needs the funds to to exploit the new opportunities that his previous insights have have generated it, it's, it's an information system not an incentive but system Are you See, saying that he deserves the wealth that he has No I'm not it's a deserve it's it's a utilitarian measure you want the people who've previously proved that they can invest money effectively to invest more money you want money to go to the people who can use it most productively. You don't want it to go to the people who, who spend it most readily. And the whole delusion of Keynesian demand-side economics that has uh, subverted, I believe, uh, economic growth is, is, that, is that the big problem in economies is spending. Uh, the big problem, or the big opportunity in economics, is is creating new things. Is uh,
0: but going back to Facebook and so on, which is just an example you picked. Sure. You are very critical of si- Silicon Valley altogether, aren't you?
1: I'm. Critical of the business plans of Silicon Valley. I'm more critical of these governments who now think they can run Facebook better than Zuckerberg can and who uh, are t- trying to impose all these detailed regulations on how you manage a social network. I think this is very destructive and will result in the Chinese information companies probably dominating the field in the future. Alibaba, Baidu, uh, Tencent, these companies are tremendous. And uh, the idea that Facebook and Google are monopolies shows a complete incomprehension that we have a world economy even even though uh, many people seem to want to break it up into smithereens again. It's it's a world economy and Google is by no means uh, a monopoly. It's a, it's a vulnerable company with a b- business strategy that's deeply flawed and uh, which is in danger of being Overwhelmed by b- better companies in Asia, but so you would say that Washington should avoid over-regulating Silicon it, it Valley and let it rip. Sh- it certainly should. Um, h- you know, here I use WeChat all the time. it It combines uh, it combines a phone service, a data service, a social network, a wallet. Uh, an investment plan—it's—it's uh, uh, it's a totally integrated system. It brings together all the things that the regulators in Washington and the Federal Trade Commission want to f- pull apart mm. and disable. But you've just written a book called *Life After Google*, yeah. and in your talk
0: today, you have contrasted the—the the things that you see r- as wrong with the Google. Economy with what you hope to come from Bitcoin. That's right. So in that respect You don't just want Google to be left to get on with what it would like to do.
1: Well, I I want I think uh, Better companies can rise up exploiting the blockchain to uh, defeat the Google model And that that will just happen because of the design of their business because of the the aggregate and advertise Uh, everybody at Google Google's chief business, 90% of their revenues comes from ads, as they say, but we all know they're minuses. Uh, it's value-subtracted advertising. You don't want it. And then on your smartphone, it's particularly um, a problem. I mean, 30% of what you pay for your uh, smartphone bills goes to Fund advertising that you almost never click on, and which uh, consumes 30 percent of the bandwidth. I mean, you click on it less than uh, I think it's 0.04 percent of the time, and half the clicks are an error. So uh, it's of uh, what what this advertising on smartphones is really is spam. They they aren't ads; they're minuses, and. Uh, and to have And to have a whole business plan based on giving people things they don 't want is i think vulnerable and and, and uh, the Chinese companies that I visit often and if they don 't get suppressed by the Communist Party will have almost unlimited well, what's opportunities their model, then? they they have no almost uh, you know, advertising is ten percent or well, where's the rest th- of it come from uh, the rest of it comes from all sorts of ingenious platform services that they sell to customers and which in a company like alibaba has uh, scores of millions of entrepreneurs on their platforms constantly paying for goods and services and information. And
0: Hmm. shouldn't your argument be then, well, let the market decide someone in Silicon Valley should wake up and come up with something? Absolutely. That's my argument.
1: Right. And I'm trying to convey to them that they better uh, figure it out. But that Um,
0: doesn't require Bitcoin. uh,
1: uh, I think uh, Bitcoin is indispensable to fixing the world economy and Internet security. Uh, Google's response to Internet security, they have to secure their own clouds and all that, but, but their essential uh, uh, response is to not have customers. They have no responsibilities mm-hmm. to their customers. Their, their customers they sell to advertisers. And uh, because their customers aren't paying them, because their users aren't paying them, uh, they avo- it's a free service. Uh, nobody wants to steal something that's free. Right. So they escape the, the obligation to uh, create a sub- secure and reliable platform that can accommodate e-commerce the way the Alibaba platform, for example, does.
0: But when you come to a conference like this, there's, you know, hundreds of people here who share your vision or or, or confidence in in Bitcoin. And I think many people could see that when we reach the world run by Bitcoin, there will be all sorts of good things about it. But isn't there a problem about getting from here to there? Because how are people going to give up their addiction to,
1: quotes, free services? I I think uh, the great vision of of Bitcoin SV that uh, Craig Wright has uh, launched, and we've been celebrating here at CoinGeek 2020, is micropayments. And uh, uh, it's not that people don't want to pay for all the things they get on the internet. It's that they pay uh, through the nose. That's uh, uh, they pay with distraction. They pay with time, they pay in all sorts of ways. But they're not complaining. uh, But uh, uh, they prefer to pay uh, deliberately uh, through uh, micropayments. And uh, the new Satoshi Vision Bitcoin, the new Bitcoin that's been launched now and uh, has risen up faster than any other previous Bitcoin scheme is uh optimized for micropayments. It has it's overcome the scaling problem of Bitcoin, which limited it to five to ten transactions a second some very limited rate. And uh now it uh um Last night, uh, Craig told me it could have millions of transactions per second. And this is um, more than Visa. It's, it's, it's a new architecture that makes possible micropayments where hassle-free payments for incidental goods and services you uh, use on the network. A co- company like Google would do better with micropayments than it currently does yeah. with free goods and uh, advertising gouges. Yeah, so
0: there's an incentive in it for Google, yeah, yeah. then we're in business. Really yeah, okay. yeah. But I, I need to let you go, but let me just ask you one final thing. When you meet Craig and the other people in leadership positions in the Bitcoin world, how does that uh, compare with the people that you knew in the pre-Internet days who similarly had a vision of the world is going to change in a big way and most of the rest of the world yeah. doesn't realize it?
1: I think, uh, in general, the cryptocurrency movement is smarter uh, and more sophisticated about computer science, more alert to the flaws in the international economy, uh, and more shrewd about new entrepreneurial and business models than was the internet movement that preceded it. I think it's uh, an amazingly brilliant bunch of uh, new talent in the world capitalism. And from China to uh, London to Berlin to Hong Kong to New York to Seattle, I've attend these conferences, and I'm awed by the brilliance of of these these people.
0: You are 100% confident that Bitcoin SV is going to be a big part of billions of people's lives, then?
1: Yeah. uh You know, I don't know which Bitcoin. We're having a debate now about which Bitcoin. I think that uh, the ability to do scaling and micropayments is a huge leap forward for S V but I still it's not a complete solution yet and and I think there's still room for major new initiatives in blockchains and and I expect a lot to be happening a lot of exciting developments in the coming years. Well we look forward to hearing your
0: continuing commentary no. on, it, uh, on the system as it develops. So thank you very much indeed, well, George.
1: Thank you so much, I Really appreciate it. You great do. interview.
0: Thanks to George Gilder. It was a great privilege to be able to talk to him. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please, would you give us a nice star rating on your podcast provider? Or if you're watching on video, you can like us there. It all helps other people to be offered the series in future.